This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. Go to freedom350.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number, 350.com, and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom350.com. Triple eight seven two seven back. Uh, New England pummeled by Storm Juno, uh, which dumped two feet of snow in some places. I mean, certainly we didn't get anything like that. Maybe five inches in New York City. Maybe millions of New Yorkers hunkered down because you know had to had to. There was no other choice. Had to had to uh, stay home because. They closed down the roads, they closed down the uh, trains, they closed the subway, they closed everything. No buses, no nothing. Uh, they even talked about closing down pedestrian uh, travel so you couldn't walk on the sidewalks. And I think they had that in effect for a little while before they opened that back up. It, it was it's, it's crazy. And we wound up with five inches here. Now, I guess... In Massachusetts, there's some places where they got, like, Shrewsbury. I don't even know where that is. Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, got two feet. Boston is expecting two feet eventually. Heavy snow, 30-mile-an-hour winds. Um, So, I mean, yeah, there's some accumulation there. Uh, But is this the worst storm in history? Not even close. Jeez. I grew up in Montana, and... When mean I was streets. a kid, Mean Streets, Mean Streets, Montana, where we we enjoyed it when it snowed heavily because it covered up the the blood stains and the dead body chalk outlines that that were all over the ground every few feet or so. I don't. So, the crime rates don't support so this. A, by the way, I meant to bring this up to you. The crime rates, huh? Really? Yeah. Have you checked into them? Yeah, I don't Helena, think you've even looked. Yeah, in Helena at the time. Yeah. You should look. Not, you should look at high. the crime rate. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I'll get the exact. The dead body chalk outlines were everywhere, and so the blood was running in the streets and stuff. And so when the snow came, it was like a relief. It was like, whew, good. We don't have to see that for a while. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, harrowing. Anyway, th- there were times, and I only lived a few blocks from from my elementary school, but there were many times in Montana it would snow two, two and a half. Occasionally three feet of snow. They didn't close school. They didn't shut down roadways. I walked to school and I made it and we lived. Everybody. You put on some boots, you put on some winter pants, and you walked to school. Big deal. Right? So uh, that's what we did. Yeah. Are we this wussified now where we can't handle five inches of snow? Or even two feet up in Boston. Come on. That should not shut down the Northeast Corridor. 
I mean, two feet of snow is it's a, a lot. lot. Yes, uh, it is. Lot. And, you know, it's, but it's enough so to what? make it so a lot of people would stay home. I mean, that's sure. Not, you know, five inches isn't enough to do that. No. No, that's not even enough. Uh, that's, I mean, when I, I feel like when I was a kid, uh, they would barely even close schools for that. I mean, that wasn't like... You, I, I don't think they did. I don't think they did. You just made it through that. Yeah. We were able to handle a few inches of snow. Yeah. We all know it's going to happen. We don't want to close down our society for half the year when it's cold in, in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. So you just get through those things. Sometimes you are delayed. Sometimes you have to allow a little extra time. You have to make sure that you dress warmly. God forbid your car were to break down on the side of the road. But you just did these things. You went for it. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, that uh, no longer is the case. I, I honestly think it's just motivated by these politicians who see things like Hurricane Katrina and um, even Sandy to some degree. Um, when people – if you, you rarely get in big-time trouble if you overreact to a storm. But you do get in big big time trouble if you underreact to it. This is a this is a um, a uh, premise that affects the weather predicting industry as well. Um, and this there's been multiple studies on this um, where they show that weathermen and especially commercial uh, enterprises like you know your local news, they will go out and predict if there's a ten percent chance of a storm. They'll say there's a 40% chance of a storm because if they say a 10% chance of a storm, no one will believe the storm is coming. And then if it does come, which it should one out of 10 times by these percentages, mm-hmm. if it does come, then everyone will be like, you said there's only a 10% chance and now it's snowed. But if you say there's a 40% chance of snow and it doesn't snow, then everyone's like, oh, thank God it didn't snow. Like they don't care when you miss that way. And I think politicians are learning that as well. They're learning that, look, you know, if we say it's going to be the biggest, uh, you know, uh, snow uh, ever and we sort of over prepare for it and it doesn't happen, we can say, look, better safe than sorry. We were prepared. Uh, and in, on the other side, if we under prepare for it and it gets really bad, we our entire career is ruined. So while we might take a little ribbing in the media, people will mock us a little bit and they'll say, oh, you overreacted, uh, you know, and we'll spend a little bit of money we didn't have to spend, blah, blah, blah. My career is still intact at the end of this. And I swear these guys are just working, uh, you know, self-preservation. You know, they, they, I don't think they even at this point care whether what they're doing is the, is the best thing. It's just the thing that's going to keep them going. I, it's aggravating. Yes. And and then you couple that with the global warming BS, and I can't even take it. It's just too much to even handle. Um, Bill Nye, the science guy on the blizzard on MSNBC, uh, here's that buffoon from yesterday. I just want to introduce the idea that this storm is connected to climate change. I want to introduce that idea. I know... There'll be certain viewers who will become unglued. They're throwing things at their television sets and so on. But is the economic effect of storms like this is huge. You cancel, cancel half the flights out of uh, the world's or one of the world's busiest airports. Certainly the eastern seaboard is a very busy area uh, economically for airplane travel. And so when you start having these big storms and you don't have the infrastructure to deal with it, you're costing your society a lot of money. And we're in the developed world where we can handle this stuff. So I just want to introduce the idea that the strong winds that we had in Southern California the very strong winds that will be associated with this storm in the next mm. uh, couple days 
these could be connected to climate change. Now, this, proving any one storm is connected, especially <laughs> cold weather events, is mm. quite difficult. But I just want to present that. Bill, I and both love of these you stories for, for me. bringing that in. Thank you so much, Bill and Jordan. Oh, thank you. He loves that. Thank you for bringing that in. Thank you for saying this storm is global warming. (laughs) When we tell the other side that you can't blame any one event, any weather event on climate change, because that's weather, that's not climate. You can't confuse the two. You're too stupid. But thank you for bringing it in, because that doesn't apply to our side. It doesn't apply. Everything is global warming to us. So thank you, Bill, for again yeah. bringing in global warming stupidity. So great. When you can blame a single storm. That's unbelievable. The wind? A, a cold the wind. storm. He went to wind. A windy and cold storm in the northeast on global warming. Uh, you're just delusional. It's, it's just delusional at this point. And it's and you can even soft. see he feels bad even bringing it up, knowing how dumb it sounds. Yeah. And it does sound dumb because it is dumb. These storms have happened forever. The, the snowfall has not changed in, uh, in, in New York City. You know, it's just there's nothing here. And you can't sit here and tell us that it's getting warm out of control. And the result of that is going to be more cold. It's just... It's as if you don't know the definition of the words. Yeah, it it's is. As, like you mix it up. You ever go yeah. to like a? You ever go to one of those? Um, this has happened a, a few times where you go and and you want to reach for the hot water and for some bizarre reason, like some hotel has it on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. That's like the way this guy talks. It's like he doesn't even understand the difference between hot and cold. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Uh, this has been an, an amazing event yesterday, or uh, or this might have been Sunday. A mayor de Blasio of New York City was talking about, you know, he had a press conference. And so he's talking about the snowpocalypse, the snowmageddon, which was on the way and, you know, scaring the heck out of everybody. And as they love to do, they always have an interpreter just in case there's a deaf person in the audience. And this interpreter really stole the show during the press conference. Uh, Here's Bill de Blasio talking about the storm. Watch the interpreter as... A lot of times, I these guys you, are stealing the, the show all over the world. The sanitation department have 6,000 miles of roads they are responsible for clearing. That is as if going from here to Los Angeles and back. That's what they have to deal with, and they are up to the task. How is that going to happen? 2,400 workers per shift on 12-hour shifts. 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. for each shift, and we will ensure that all hands are on deck for this crisis. We'll have nearly 500 salt spreaders out ahead of the snow falling. When at least two inches have accumulated, there will be 1,500 snow plows deployed to address the conditions. We'll wake up in the morning. At this moment, things will seem normal. Snow will start in the course of the day. By the time you get to rush hour tomorrow, Monday, you expect to be deep into a storm. Tuesday is going to be a very <laughs> difficult situation because if it's anything like this kind of accumulation, it's going to make a lot are, of things uh, very, very hard to work. <laughs> so, you know, expect to see a Tuesday a situation where a lot of things are going to have to be changed based on this storm. These guys are so bizarre and so animated that you can't help but wonder if they even know sign language. <sighs> 
I feel like this is going to be this. a bit on us by deaf people. They're like, we all have to stick together and say that this is sign language or we're never going to be able to pull this off. It's so weird because we, because we, last time we talked about this guy and, and look, he, he, is it the same guy? It's the same guy. Yeah. And he's really super animated. Yeah. And last time we had, uh, People uh, call us and say the reason he does this is because just like how you would use your voice mm-hmm. in, um, you know, like you could say, I can't believe this. Like it's uh, you would use your voice in an animated for way inflection to and express whatever, for, yeah. what you're trying to get across. Yeah. He's doing that. That's how you do that with sign language, which is okay. fine, yeah. except for the fact that he's translating someone who's not doing that. Bill de Blasio's like, uh, and there'll be snow, and he shouldn't he be reflecting the tone of the speech he's assigning? Think, yeah, it's almost like he's trying to create hysteria among the deaf. <laughs> You're not hearing how bad this is! <laughs> Debye's like, look, you know, there's going to be some snow, we're going to get this cleaned up. And he's screaming uh, at the top of his lungs yeah. at all the hearing impaired. And, and, and we were hearing from the hearing impaired that, that you know, this is a good thing because you, you can understand it more and there's more, essentially, uh, attitude to it. There's a little bit more inflection, you get a little bit, but like, it's not his job Again, in my opinion, and I don't know, maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but I'm, I'm admitting that. So, you know, tell me where I'm wrong. Like, it's not his job to make a boring speech interesting. It's his job to essentially communicate what the mayor is saying. Mm-hmm. And if the mayor is saying something in a boring tone, it shouldn't be that animated. You should be sitting there and go, you should be like, and, uh, you know, like, you should be very calm hand gestures. They shouldn't be like the crazy, yeah. you know, like, at some yeah. point, you just think he's just going to start, like, bonking himself on the head with a rubber mallet. Like, he's got, like, all <laughs> these crazy things he's doing. It's like, I, I, and also, it doesn't, like, I've seen sign language before. No, I don't know sign language, but I've seen it before. And never, I swear, 80% of the stuff this guy does, I've never seen before in sign language. Like, it, a lot of it seems like it's just, he's just making it up. Yeah, it was so bad last time, we really thought yeah. he was faking it. Remember that? I thought it was like a prankster that got he on He was stage a prankster that got on, and, and it was kind of like the South African thing where the guy shouldn't have been on stage, and he was. Yeah. And then and then we were told, no, no, he's he's perfectly legit. And so, he, but here he is again doing the same kind of stuff. So it's just, it's... I hope he keeps doing it because it's I like it's him. entertaining. I do like him. It's entertaining. I just feel like he, he's he, a character. You, you should have to do you should. the I, tone. I, like I, you that's what I thought, too. You, you try to match the tone. But maybe that's not the deal in yeah, signing. Maybe. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K is our uh, phone number, and uh, we are in New York where the snowpocalypse happened. And wow, what an event! We had a full, I think, five full inches of snow. I wouldn't uh, over. No one's ever had that. Before. I mean, no one's. That's never happened. No one's ever had that kind of dumpage uh, on their city ever before, and that's why. That's a nice way to put it. They had to totally, totally. Close down the largest city in America, one of the most important cities in the world, because we had five, count them, not one or two inches, five inches of snow. It's never happened before. It's never happened. Not in history. Not in the history of the world. Now, there was a belief that one time in the Ice Age, 
um, in Antarctica, mm-hmm. um, in a in the worst snowiest area of Antarctica, mm-hmm. um, and around where there was some like uh, those big like furry elephant looking things, mm-hmm. woolly mammoths. No, Snuffleupagus. Uh, okay. When, when, mm-hmm. <laughs> around some of those, and they were they were treated to three and a half inches of snow. No, but never. Yeah, I mean, but I think most legitimate scientists are skeptical of that. Yes, I would agree. Right? I would are, agree. Yeah. It's not because uh, the Snuffleupagus, <laughs> he just doesn't seem like he was actually. He couldn't survive three and a half inches. Now, for a guy who, who looked on. like a woolly mammoth, he really did not seem like he would be able to endure much outside. No, he, was, he was pretty he sheltered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, this is crazy. I mean, we played on radio today, the Democrats, uh, mostly from the Senate. There were people like. Uh, Robert Byrd when he was alive. And so this shows you it happened back in the uh, earlier t- early 2000s. Robert Byrd, uh, Dianne Feinstein, um, uh, Barbara Boxer, all, all of these people screeching about global warming and how the winters were so warm now that there would be no more snow, that the snowpack was gone, that ski resorts would have to close. You couldn't do any more recreational sports in the winter like skiing and snowmobiling. Has that been the case? No. It just, on Drudge Report this morning, there was a story about this being the snowiest decade on record in the Northeast. Snowiest ever. And just last decade, they were predicting that there was going to be no more snow. It's just ridiculous. Look at the high impact uh, East Coast snowstorms. In the 50s, there were only four. Then there were 10 in the 1960s. Now, did people panic and throw off their clothes and go screaming through the streets at that time? No, because it went back to four in the 70s. Then it was up to five. Then it was five again. Then it went up to 10 in the 2000s. Now it's 14. Big deal. Next decade, it could be three. I don't know. No, oh, this is the it's same stupid. sort of chart they would show you in the mid-2000s about hurricanes and say how that's never going to end. Uh, and shockingly, we haven't had one since. I mean, basically, we have not had a major hurricane hit the United States since Katrina. I believe it's either Katrina one there or not. There might have been one after Katrina, but yeah. it's going on ten years now. Was, it's going on was ten. Re- Rita before years. or after? You'd remember that probably. Uh, Rita was after. Yeah, because it was Katrina then Rita. Like, yeah. Pretty. I, I, the point is, though, but when it made landfall, yeah, Rita was only a. Two or three. Yeah, well, and the same so, with Katrina, by the way. It was not, a, four was not a high impact storm as far yeah. as uh, intensity was. It just hit a city that was built in a bowl. Yeah. Which is uh, actually, that's the problem. And levees broke, and it wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't the massive hurricane that brought. But that brought about anything. It was the crappy levees that brought about the flooding. Yeah, and Orleans. the fact that they built a city on, in a bowl, beneath, you know, beneath sea level. Yeah, in a bowl. So it's probably uh, not a so good. So probably idea. not a good idea in the first place. So I don't know. I mean, I, you know, look, is there a uh, a, a situation where, um, you know, where you should look at something like this? Like it seems like there's been a few more storms in this decade. But again, you're talking about 14 over five years. Like I, that doesn't it's seem just like a ton. All that notable to me. No, I, look, I lived up here through those some of those decades. I lived in the Northeast where I grew up, where I lived most of my life, and yeah, I, we always expected things like that. There was no big snowstorm yes. seemingly every year. Yes, and the thing is, it just shows the madness and the hysteria of the global warmists. Because at, at one point they're talking about, oh my gosh, there's not going to be any snow. You won't be able to go snow skiing anymore. 
And then the next, they're screaming, look at all the snow. That's proof positive of global warming. How can you have it yeah. every which way? Yep. It just doesn't matter what happens. It, it Every weather event is global warming. When we were told weather events have nothing to do with global warming, weather events have to be compiled over a 16-year period to, before you see a climate trend. That's what we used to be told. Now, every single time you get the Bill Nye's of the world saying, oh, we should think oh. there's global warming. And uh, similarly, we are told that the 16-year trend is no longer enough. Well, yeah. Because it hasn't warmed positive in of the warming, years. which uh, hasn't happened 1998 yet. was the warmest year on record by many measures, uh, and it has not exceeded that. Even 2014 was not warmer than 1998. Um, and uh, yet we are told... Hey, uh, that's not enough. You can't really tell anything. Yeah, sure, there's been a pause in global warming, but that doesn't mean anything. It's only been 16 years. Yet now every storm, even when it's a cold storm, uh, equates to warming. <laughs> it's, it's, it's laughable. And and then, but you're you're a crazy person if you don't buy into absolutely everything they have said because they've got a consensus on this thing and the science is settled. Well, what are you talking? Of course it's not settled. It's so ridiculous. Triple eight seven two seven Beck, but uh, we have the mayor of Bridgeport, Connecticut, who was uh, on Al Sharpton's show last night. Bill, uh, mayor Bill Finch, and I, I love his uh, little goodbye to Al at the end of the segment. Uh, here's what the mayor of Bridgeport had to say to Al. Bill Finch, thank you so much for your time tonight, and please be safe. We will, and thank you for your show, Reverend. You know you've been fighting. Uh, the good fight on climate change, and mm -hmm. we can see uh, crazy climate here. Yeah. And uh, we'd like to have a little bit more of you uh, down in Washington. All right. Thank you. <laughs> that is like Al is so pumped up somebody likes him. Like he can't believe it. You he can see his like whole Christmas tree face there, lights he? up. Yeah. Someone said something nice to him. I know. I like that. It's never happened before. I like that. That was actually a really nice moment. Yeah, it was. Nice. I mean, Let it, him have it. Sure, we can mock have it. the mayor of Bridgeport. Sure, we can say, what has Al Sharpton done about climate change? And it's like, nothing. He's done nothing. I mean, unless climate change is someone he falsely accused of rape, he's done nothing about climate change. Uh, however, uh, let him have that moment. Yeah, let him have it. It's kind of nice. It was, it was nice to see Al smile a little bit. <laughs> Let's see it again so yeah, we can see it one more time. Uh, watch for Al light up like a Christmas tree. Watch for that because it is, it is a nice moment. Thank you so much for your time tonight, and please be safe. We will, and thank you for your show, Reverend. You know, you've been fighting uh, the good fight on climate change, and we can see uh, crazy climate here. Yeah. And uh, we'd like to have a little bit more of you uh, down in Washington. Yeah, All right, thank you. <laughs> He loves it. He loved it. He loved it. That's really sweet. <laughs> that was a that was a nice moment for Al. Yeah. It really was. No and, one's ever said anything nice to him like and that. And we can't see this crazy, crazy weather. Five again, five inches in the mm -hmm. New York metropolitan area. Has it ever happened before? No, never. Unless Snuffleupagus again. That was only three and a half inches. If the Snuffleupagus thing happened, right, it was only three if it happened, and, and there's a lot of debate, a <laughs> lot of debate. Uh, let's light up Al again because Al uh, has another best of tape out, and and I I happen to enjoy this one a great deal. You know, Al has some issues with uh, pronouncing things and reading teleprompters and and all of that, and we've highlighted that. We've we've had a little fun with Al, but uh, listen to him light up the teleprompter here. We 
all know I've had my share of prompter issues. And here's the president <laughs> meeting with a uh, cola cue. Republic. By the way, the cola cue he's talking about. What do you think that word is? Cola cue. Here is the president meeting with a cola cue. Cola cue. I'm trying to think of uh, what I hear there is C O L O Q U E. A cola cue. Right. Something like that. You might. That's how you might spell cola cue. Uh, what he is, what he is trying to read, is the word koala. <laughs> it's a koala bear. <laughs> it's a cola cue. <laughs> Here he is. Here he is with a cola cue. What? Can you believe that? Cola cue. A cola cue. Do we have the? Do we have the? Uh, the video of this, guys. Back at the, we do? Oh, okay. Let's play that. Let's actually play. So, But be prepared to stop it because we're going to have to stop it it's along the good. way. It's you got good. the but watch the cola cue situation. And here's the president meeting with a uh, cola cue. Republicans, Grinches, launching fists full of coal. Copies of the new issue of Charlie Hubda. He also goes by the name Michael <laughs> Ziha Beelbaum. 26-year-old Nina. Beelbaum. Raymond Romano. <laughs> Honor David Letterman. He died of accidental uh, uh, as Al-Qaeda in yes the startup school has been postponed several times massive manhood is underway who spoke at a white supremacist convention you look at the hand you dealt there are not 60 republicans after a historic of a historic when you hear of isis now waterboating all over the map on immigration did New England Patriots cheat to get into the big game. NFL analyst and Hall of Fame player Troy Aikens, uh, the writer slamming President Obama for talking with YouTube celebrities. What's the latest tonight in Iowa? <laughs> well, in Ottawa. <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, Ottawa, uh, not Iowa, my friend. Uh, so, so you have so much there. If we just so much replayed there. that for the rest of the show, I'd be fine. I would too. I, I, that's, that would make me very happy. Is that uh, Washington got, Free Beacon coming yes, up with that? Yes, you have. So you have so good. Cola uh, Q equaling koala mm -hmm. for koala bear. Mm -hmm. You got Mike Michael Ziha Beetlebob or whatever Beetlebob Michael Ziha Beetlebob. For Bobo. Remember that one? <laughs> Bibo. It was Bibo. You've got Romano for Romano. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't know Ray Romano? Ray Romano's name. And, and like you might say, okay, well, look, he he's in the world of politics. He doesn't know comedians. Ray Romano. That's not what he does. First of all, Romano would be the way you'd look at that if it was like the cheese, right? Like it's, yeah, it's Romano like, cheese. Right? Yes. Like you just look at yes. that's how you would pronounce that word. But even if not, he also, in the last version of this, he couldn't pronounce Antonin Scalia's name. Antonin Scalia. No, Scalians. Maya Angelou. He didn't know her name in one of these. Oh, like, right. Like he, he now you would come on. He's got to know Maya Angelou's yeah, name. Right. He didn't know. No, it doesn't seem to. He pronounced asphyxia, asphema. <laughs> so she. She died of asphema. <laughs> you mean asphyxia? Mm -hmm. uh, and then Aikens instead of Aikman. Uh, just to name a few of the major, easy, 
words that are. The, I mean, how is he on television? I and mean, there's I, no I explanation. Know. There's no explanation. And again, really look at this. We've ruined this moment. Uh, he had this we nice moment where one person. Well, said we let he him have a thing. moment. Well, we we he had this moment <laughs> where one person said he did one thing mm-hmm. once right. correctly. Okay. And we've ruined it now. And by pointing out the thousands of times he's not doing things correctly. I feel bad. I do feel bad. I do feel bad. I mean, I want to do it again, but I do feel I bad. Do, um, we're going to do okay, it again. Good, good. But, uh, all right, we'll, we will, uh, we will be back again later with more ass fever. And we'll be talking to Michael Z-Bob Beelie-Bob <laughs> coming up. Or Beetlebum. Beetlebum. Or Beetlejuice. 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 Now, I said that three times. And here's the president meeting with a uh, colloquy. Republicans, Grinches, Colloquy. Fist full of coal. (laughs) Copies of the new issue of Charlie Hobda. He also goes by the name Michael Ziha Beetlebop. 26 year old Nina. Phone. Rainbow Romano. Honor David Letterman, he died of accidental uh, uh, as Al-Qaeda in Yemen. The start of school has been postponed several times. Massive manhood is underway. Who spoke at a white supremacist convention. You look at the hand you dealt with. There are not 60 Republicans after a historic of historic when you hear of ISIS now waterboating all over the map on immigration did the New England Patriots cheat to get into the big game NFL analyst and Hall of Fame player Troy Aikens uh, the writer slamming President Obama for talking with used to celebrities what's the latest tonight in Iowa well in Ottawa (laughs) Uh, this is really good news. Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, is predicting that the national debt will rise by a little more than half a trillion dollars over the next two years, which will leave the nation with a $19.1 trillion debt by the time Obama leaves office. Now, you know the CBO is, they're soft peddling this. It's going to be more than half a trillion. Come on. It was a half a trillion this year. I'll bet you it goes up a little bit more than that. Uh, the, over the next two years. Ah, come on. What if I say that that way? Well, ah, then, come on. Then I, I'm forced to believe you that it will just be a half a trillion. You know, look, <laughs> uh, look at these numbers. You got these numbers. These guys are always trying to bring up. Look at these numbers on the screen. I mean, come on, come on. Yeah. What if point. I make an argument good like points, that? Stu. Well, that, then that's a really good point. Y- you know, and people, you can't argue with it. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, as you see here, um, you see the deficit column at the bottom there. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, well, you see it twice, and they're both interesting. Um, what you'll notice um, in both cases is the fascinating concept that after this president leaves, the numbers seem to get larger. It's almost as if he hasn't fixed the problem. In fact, they continue to go up from 25 to 26 to 3 to 30 to 35 to 39 and then 3836. So from uh, when he leaves office in 2016, from 25 to 36 uh, as a percentage of the GDP. 
And uh, when you talk about the deficit in real numbers, you go from $467 billion, it goes up to $489 billion, then up to $540 billion, then up to $652 billion, then up to $739 billion, then up to $814 billion, then up again to $948 billion, then up again to $953. Then he has this great year where he somehow is able to trim $2 billion out of the deficit to $951 billion, then again up to $1.09 trillion for a $2.9 trillion deficit over the next 10 years, which, by the way, uh, is all of those years, every single one of them that you see on your screen is worse than every Every other president at any time in American history, all of them are worse than all other presidents in any individual year they were president. But this guy's done a really good job. Uh, did I? I yeah. Did you, you get you that really sense? Has. I wanted to make sure you were. No, I, you, you, I led you, you to that. You did. I, you got I, I almost felt well. the need to not add on at the end that he was doing a good job no, because it was, it was so, so convincing. So obvious. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I went to Salt Lake City a couple of weeks ago, did a speech up there for the Eagle Forum, and they had a bunch of politicians in there, and there were Republican politicians. You, 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 you very conservative. Big, big, big fans. Oh, all oh, of them huge. love us. Really? Love. Oh, huge love supporters. Us. In every way. <laughs> yes, in every way. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing in the back of the room because I, I got detained and I wanted to hear his whole speech. But there was one particular congressman who put up a chart somewhat similar to the one we just saw. And he was talking about, you know, we got some, we still have some work to do. And we got a ways to go. But look what we've done so far. Take a look at the column where the, the, of the uh, debt. And it starts out in, I think he said 2010 when we got there. Uh, it was $1.4 trillion. Okay, one point four trillion was the debt was the deficit that year, mm-hmm. but look at the next year. It's one point three trillion, and then look at the next year. It's one point two trillion, <laughs> and then look at the next year. It's one point one trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. It's gone down every year. I'm like, are you seriously <laughs> bragging? <laughs> About going from one point four trillion in debt mm-hmm. to only one point three trillion in debt, and then over four years down all the way down to one point one trillion. Yeah, <laughs> are you really it, making that case? And he was, this, and he did. It's like saying, like, look, did we go zero in sixteen last year? Yes, yes, but we lost but, by less almost every game. It, right, the second year, you see, we went zero in sixteen again, but we lost by an average of of only twenty two points instead of twenty seven points. <laughs> the next year, we went yes. zero fifteen and one. Okay, How about that. Yep, and then the next year, as you guys will will remember, we won a game. We went one in fifteen. So obviously, I deserve a fifty year contract now. In 50 years, we're projecting that maybe, perhaps, we might break even. Well, no, we we're might not. Bre- Actually, well, I mean, we're not. What, what, but if we we're proje- hoping to pre- perhaps mm-hmm. one day uh, what, break even. What we project is we will get to 5 and 11 uh, <laughs> at some point, and then it will reverse and start getting worse for 10 years consecutively. I mean, think about that. We expect more of our NFL coaches and our oh, college man. coaches than we do of the people that we elect to run the country. We don't expect anything of them. You know uh, why? A $1.4 trillion deficit's a victory. You know why? It's because football is interesting. Uh, yeah. And, and people are... Look yeah. at that spreadsheet again. Could could we get lower ratings? Uh, is it possible to get lower ratings on a show than if we just show that spreadsheet? Just showing no, that. No, look at that not. table right there. It's table time. 
Look at that. Revenues and outlays. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's fantastic. That's look, sexy. Yeah, look at that. It's uh, I like look at the. Uh, we were talking about you know it's what two point eight percent of GDP. And when you say GDP on the air, that's another big ratings getter. But mm-hmm. gross domestic product. Uh, look at the at the last column, the uh, the last row there. Debt held by the public at the end of the year. We currently hold seventy four percent of our GDP in debt right now. And where does that go? What's the future look like? Up to 78.7. That's wonderful. It's getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it is unbelievable. If yeah. you tried to destroy a country, you'd have a tough time to doing worse than these people do. Yeah. I had, I had people coming up to me uh, after this congressman's speech, and they said, so what did you think of his – because they, they know we know him. And they're like, what did you think of his speech? And I said, well – um, <laughs> I was somewhat surprised by the fact he just bragged about going from 1.4 trillion in debt to 1.1 trillion in debt during his tenure. We're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> well, anyone outside of Washington knows that. Yeah. And look, no one's expecting yeah. uh, this to happen overnight. I understand that. You know, look, it is. Is it difficult? You got the president blocking you. There are. It is a difficult job. However. That is the job you signed up for. Right. The job you signed up for was not, uh, you know, uh, figuring out a way to get a toddler to take a fruit snack. Like, this is a difficult job. And, uh, you know, people like uh, Coolidge were able to make massive change in a short amount of time. Oh, my God. It is possible. Massive. It's been done before. We've had presidents in our past who have had got this country to a point place where we had a surplus. We can't get our Congress to cut deficits by 1%. We can't get them to agree to cuts across the board of 1% to 5%. Mm-hmm. You know what they cut the deficit by in two years? 50%. 50. 50. 50%. I mean, that's how they pulled out of the depression that they were in in 1920. Yeah. They cut spending, and they cut it quickly, and they slashed it hard. That had to, you know, that had to surprise a lot of people that it, they weren't getting the money that they were used to getting. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, there's no way you could cut one percent now. They cut it fifty percent. Yeah. It, it, one of the most depressing things, and I guess in a roundabout way encouraging, is the analysis that shows if we just kept our spending, even no cuts, mm-hmm. just kept it where it is, current ridiculous spending levels, for the next six or seven years, we balance the budget. Just no increases. That's all we have to do. Yet there wow. is literally no hope of that happening. It is per- portrayed in the media as if you're murdering children if it you is. decide to keep the budget the same as these already inflated rates. Well, they will, they will say you are. Yeah. You're, you're taking money out of school lunch programs and Head Start programs and all that kind of crap. That's yeah. what they would accuse you of. Yeah, it's true. Uh, they would, and you would be essentially the, a mass You'd murderer. You'd be crucified. Of and, yeah. you know, and, and we've used this step before, and I know we're running late here, but it's, it's such an amazing one to, to contemplate. Ron Paul was on the air with us in 2006, and he made the most ridiculous comment I've ever heard, which was if we eliminate completely the income tax, completely, we get zero dollars, it's zero for everyone. All we would have to do is go back to Clinton-level spending. What he said, I believe, was 10 years ago. The correct number, and I said I thought it was the craziest thing I've ever heard. We looked it up. Even PolitiFact, I think, fact-checked it. 
back in the time or factcheck.org, one of the two did it. They call it mostly false because it's 12 years. Yeah, it was 12 that or 14 years. sack of crap was 12. Yeah, it was 12 or 14 years. We're talking, <laughs> amazing, but we're talking mid-Clinton administration spending levels. And we would get, could get lit, rid of the uh, uh, of the income tax completely. And if it was said today, you know, you wouldn't have to go back that far. You'd probably have to go back to early Bush yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Go back to those spending levels and and balance this thing. Get rid of the debt. And what, imagine what that would do. Save the country. Let's go into conservative porn mode here for just a second. Imagine what that would do for the country. If you got rid of the income tax completely, you didn't pay a dime. Every dollar you made came into your pocket Can to you spend on whatever what you wanted. what that would do for the economy? Can you imagine it? Oh, my gosh. And oh my all gosh. we have to do is go back to Bush-level spending? That should not be scary to anybody. Everyone said it was too much at the time. Mm-hmm. Yet it's just it, we're not a serious enough country to do something like that. It's amazing. Triple eight seven two seven Beck eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. More patents do come. Let's take this show seriously for a while. Right, let's okay. do it. Welcome Here. to the program. The broadcasting um, show. Our phone number is uh, 888-727-2325. Which does not really matter today because we can't take your phone we call. We cannot take your phone call today because we're in New York and, New and York. the phones don't work. And there's been snowpocalypse. Yeah. Snowpocalypse has killed all phone lines. Yes. If you're trying to call anybody in New York, they're probably dead mm-hmm. from the snowpocalypse. And we've decided uh, as a government, mm-hmm. Pat and I, uh, because we're enlightened... What we've decided to do is to execute everyone um, because our belief is it would be worse for them to die in the snowpocalypse. It would. So we'll do it quickly. And, and like here's that. the thing. You you start killing people. You got a lot less people on the road to worry about. Yeah. The snowplows could clear things away much more quickly. And one of the most important things, Pat, if I may, mm-hmm. if you I may. may. You may. Please do. Uh, is the idea that um, less people equals mm-hmm. less carbon emissions. Oh my equals gosh. less Thank global you. warming. Thank you for bringing that to the show. Snow Thank equals you. more snow equals everyone's safe. May I just thank you for the work you've done for global warming, <laughs> to fight global warming? May I just thank you for your show and you the said, things that you've done Oh, my to fight God, you said something warming. nice to me. Yeah, I did. I did. Wow, and I, you lit up like a Christmas tree. I, I did. That's I? great. <laughs> uh, oh, did we tell you the uh, the national debt we did? $19 trillion, right? Under Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, I'm guessing 19.5, maybe even 20. There's no way this guy cuts, keeps it under half a trillion over the next two years. It's just amazing that we've come to this half a trillion is good. It's like, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. you know what's great? $3 a gallon gas. That's only $3. Ga-. Now, luckily, obviously, it's gone down since, but that was our norm for what, mm, six years? Long time. Where all of a sudden we were just like, wow, that's great. That one's under $3 a gallon. And Never granted, when your deficit yeah. is 1.4 trillion, Four hundred and eighty-seven billion looks pretty good, mm-hmm. but it's not. Okay, it's the highest ever recorded up until Obama. Uh, but anyway, the the other thing that is uh, coming out today is that Obamacare, according to the CBO, is going to cost fifty thousand dollars in taxpayer money for every American who gets health insurance. Now that was supposed to be revenue neutral. It was deficit neutral. It was all of those things. And now they're saying, oh, well, no, $50,000 per person. And that's 
the law the, the law will still leave get this between 29 million and 31 million Americans without medical insurance. That's non-elderly. They're still not insuring up to 31 million Americans. Disaster. And it's and it's fifty thousand dollars per person. Any by any sensible, measure, this thing is a disaster. Any sensible civilization bails on this now because you have a yeah. chance to get out of it still. Uh, you could still but get rid of it. we're not sensible. No, it's, we're not. And it's not going to happen. We obviously aren't. We're not. And, you know, Pat, and it's like you look at this and you just see, you know, here is a society that is allowing this to go on and say, you'll say, well, a few people got some insurance, so a couple million got insurance. At what cost? Mm-hmm. I mean, and there is that idea. They don't care. In theory, you could, for $25 trillion, you could come up with a policy that would really insure one person incredibly well. However, you would <laughs> not do that because it's a ridiculous cost for what you're getting done. <laughs> for $25 trillion, Let's say you could, for $25 trillion, insure every American really well, and they would never have to pay anything, and it is free. Would you do it? Would that make it okay? Yeah, and honestly, I don't no. think you could. If you, it's $2 trillion and we still have 30 million oh, people yeah. without insurance, I don't yeah, know if you, you probably could do couldn't. it. Yeah. Not over a long period of time. Jeez. Unreal. Back in a second. Late seven two seven back is Pat and Stu. Uh, apparently for the the big game, the, and apparently no no one can say the name of uh, if you're broadcasting it. For some reason, I it didn't seem like it was it used to be that way, but I guess the NFL has really cracked down on people talking about the Super Bowl if they make money from any sort of product around the Super Bowl. I, I don't know how that works, but uh, Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday. And according to Fox Sports, the NFL is is focusing on the Patriots' locker room attendant for the the whole deflated ball scandal. Yeah, they're <clears throat> saying that the, I guess, a locker room attendant had twenty four footballs with him. He had twelve from the Patriots, twelve from the Colts. Went into a bathroom with them and came out ninety seconds for later. ninety seconds. Come on, he went to the bathroom. He wasn't deflating balls, right? That's my guess. It's possible. I, although I don't think I w- there's time to perfectly deflate balls in 90 seconds. I, I, 11 of them? I will say that um, they. I did see a demonstration of what it would take. And it's like literally like, take it, put the needle in, that's it. And you're done. I saw a guy do it on television. So you could do it in 90 seconds. You could if you were really good. At, obviously, just getting the ball, taking the needle in, you know, putting it like I don't know how you'd reload them into the bag, but if you do this every game, which is I don't know my suspicion, uh, then it could possibly be. However, um, we don't know. Um, they also it could theoretically be the reason why he missed one ball. You're trying to roll through, uh, you know, <laughs> a bag of 12 of these footballs, it's difficult to maybe know which one you did and which one you didn't do. So 
you, th- you think you have them all and you maybe leave one not done. Again, though, I find it impo- literally impossible that if he did do this, that at some point this was not okayed by Tom Brady. Well, it had to be. Yeah. The the locker room attendant's not going to say, hey, I'm going to, I think I'm going to try something new today. <laughs> I'm going to deflate the balls and see if Tom likes it that way. Because mm-hmm. I'll bet, you know, he I wouldn't get in any trouble if he doesn't like it that way. No. Or if he doesn't want to cheat. Come on. It's been done forever. And they've discussed it. And he was, whoever did it, was sent to do it. If they didn't deflate from the warm room they were in or whatever yeah. Belichick was trying Which to get. I don't know. I'm torn on because I don't believe that explanation at all. It, obviously, air pressure is real. That, like, that's a yeah. real thing. However, to, to, you know, to lose 15% of your air pressure in a, a short amount of time. Probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. And scientists don't believe that it would happen. However, one of those scientists happens to be uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. So now I'm back on the side of the Patriots. I mean, if Bill Nye, the science yeah, guy, is saying the opposite, that's where I whatever am too. he says, I want to go the other way. <laughs> yes. Just because he's yes. annoying. And it's all outweighed by the fact that Richard Sherman is still on the Seattle Seahawks. Right. That's still true, right? That's still true. Okay, good. So I still want the Seahawks to lose. And by the fact that Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson, who is otherwise a pretty good guy, it seems like, and yeah, everybody keeps I, telling I, me, well, Pat, he's a very Christian guy. He's a really nice. My brother, who lives in that area, keeps telling me, because he's a big Seahawk fan, because he's lived there forever. And so he keeps, well, he's really good, moral, wonderful. I'm sure he is. Mm-hmm. He did an Obamacare propaganda commercial. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, you lose I'm all your done. You, yeah. you, you lost me. Like, I actually you liked him me. before, and that at least brings too. it down to even. Yes. You know, if for not sure. worse. It, um, it at least mm-hmm. brings it down to, I want the Patriots to kick your teeth in. Yes. And metaphorically speaking. So I, I really want the Patriots to win. And yeah, I, I do too. I don't like the Patriots. And I think they're cheaters. And I think it's despicable what they're doing. Uh, but, you know, we, we haven't proven it. Well, Pat, as a nationwide Canadian sports celebrity myself, I understand the pressures of uh, of this sort of thing, where you're, you're, the, the spotlight shines Wait, so as bright. A, as a what? What? As a what? What did you say you were? <laughs> a uh, nationwide Canadian sports celebrity. You're a nationwide Canadian sports celebrity? Yeah. In what particular way? How did that? Well, I mean, people remember the catch, and they are, they're going to remember that. They're going to know me from that. <laughs> And that's understandable, you know. The foul ball you caught at a, at a Toronto Blue Jays game, they're going to remember that. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, obviously. Obviously. Right? Look, yeah. and when you're and what? Oh, yeah, it was a foul ball, too. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm hearing about yeah, it was yeah, a foul it was, ball. It was a foul ball. Uh-huh. But obviously, you know, it was an amazing play. And that's, that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to give myself – I'm not trying to compliment myself about an amazing Seems play. Seems kind of like you amazing. are because, because you keep calling it amazing – and that you're a, a national no. sports hero <laughs> that everybody's remembering. It I said like sports celebrity first of all. Celebrity, yeah. And people, people mm-hmm. know, you know, they know me now, you know, and I, and that's it's uh-huh. it's hard to be. What I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to compliment myself for an amazing, incredible play. What I'm trying to say is why do you keep calling you... it an amazing and incredible that if you're not trying to compliment yourself? What I'm trying to say is, uh, excuse me, mm-hmm. I'm trying to say is when you are in the spotlight. Yeah, people ask a lot of you. Mm. They come to you and they say, "Look, <laughs> Stu, you're a nationwide Canadian sports celebrity." <laughs> Do they? Yeah, that's happened. And, uh, this is happened. Myself cry. <laughs>
<laughs> your questioning is cracking me up. So, point is, they ask you to do these things, mm. and they might ask you to endorse a product or yeah, you know, whatever. Has and, anybody approached you on well, endorsing course, Obamacare? Obviously, people have approached me a, a, a lot of times, but the point right. is that you could understand. <laughs> People have approached you. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, people yeah. have approached me. They yeah. talk to me all the time, and right. and what? <laughs> I think that's probably true. Yeah, it yeah. is true. And what you need to do as a celebrity, you have a responsibility to look at these products individually uh-huh. and say, you know what? I don't Obamacare want to do is that not one. right for the country. Right. Uh, y- 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 you know, I'm sorry. Why are you crying? And uh, I just, you know, I just think back. You're at really it. moved by this. <laughs> you are really moved. I really am. By the fact that they have done this Obamacare commercial. Uh, And and, and, and and luckily, because this crap heap of a law was already nationwide (laughs) in Canada, they didn't ask me to do that. Uh, Because who knows, at that time, in the heat of the moment, they may have. What would you have said had they approached you? You know, I I hope I would have said no. But I'm just trying to illustrate to the people, because a lot of people, you know, if you're not a nationwide Canadian sports celebrity, you wouldn't maybe understand understand it. And I can understand the pressures. That's all I'm saying. All right. You know. Yeah, Seems like tough. you said a lot more than that, but it's tough. okay. I'll say it reminds me of Jeffy's service in Grenada. <laughs> very, di- very difficult. <laughs> it is reminiscent. It is of reminiscent that. of that. Yeah, you know, it's reminiscent he, of that. he worked so hard for our country to free. It's a fashion uh, reminiscent of, uh, of of his service the in of uh, the island of spice. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady acknowledged some strong personal feelings about the NFL's investigation into the team, but he's he's going to try to put those aside now and just play some football. He said, "I personalized a lot of things." And thought this was all about me and my feelings got hurt. And then I moved past it because it's not serving me, he said. I think that's what I think that what's serving me is to try to prepare for the game ahead and I'll deal with whatever happens later. I'll have my opportunity to try to figure out what happened and figure out a theory like everyone else is trying to do. But this isn't the time for this, for that. And honestly, I'm not interested in trying to find out right now because. We have the biggest game of our season ahead. Good attitude, Tom. Here's what happened. You told the guy to go deflate the balls, and the guy went and deflated the balls. All right, let me help you out with that. Yeah, it's a tough one to put together. It's a, it's a hard one, and uh, but that's what happened, and everybody knows it. I will say this, uh, you know. Uh, Bill Belichick did a uh, press conference, just the you know his big one where he was explaining all the science, and you know, science. Uh, and he went through this, and it was just, he gave this long explanation and, and, and all these specifics, and he kept saying over and over again, you know, I have I think I've done the team a disservice for how much time I've spent on this instead of the task at hand. And it, I, while I do think it, I, I'm not a believer in the in the Patriots uh, line on this, I, I still will say that he's right. He shouldn't have. Like the Brady answer is the right answer. Mm-hmm. You come up and you say, "Look, I don't know what's going on. They keep the press is making a big deal about this. We don't think we did anything wrong." When we hear from the NFL, you know, we'll talk about it then. But right now, we got a game to play. Well, and that was one of Brady's problems, though, is he said, "I don't feel like." Wasn't that the word he used? I don't feel like I've, I'm I don't a cheater. Think I am, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm like a cheater, or I don't feel like I'm a cheater. Well, what do you mean? That's a black and white question, and yeah. nobody answers things in black and white terms anymore. They just don't do it. Whether it's the White House spokesperson, the State Department spokesperson, or Tom Brady, the question is: Is Tom Brady a cheater? And when that's the question, the answer is either yes, I am, or no, I am not. So if you're not, you don't say, I don't believe I am. Yeah. What the hell yeah. is that? Yeah, you say... What do you mean? Yeah. You say, no, I, if somebody come, came up to me and said... You say, absolutely. Pat Gray, are you a cheater? 
No. What are you talking about? Absolutely. Of course not. not. No. Did you cheat to to get this job? No. Yeah, I didn't no. cheat to get it. What are you talking about? No. Because I know I didn't. Right. So if you don't believe you did, there's something wrong there. Right. Like there's You're walking a line where you don't think deflating balls is cheating. Right. That's probably what the answer is. Yeah. I mean, but there's certain questions you know the answer to immediately. If yes. I were to ask you, Pat, are you a nationwide Canadian sports celebrity? I would say no. You know I am right not. away. I am not. You know, because that's just, right. you didn't. You didn't make an amazing, incredible play like I did. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. You know? And that's, no, I did that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. Right. I mean, it doesn't make you an amazing person either, but it doesn't make you a bad person. Okay. And that's what I want mm-hmm. you to know. Thank you for that. I'm not sure that it's exactly where I was going. I want you to think about it. But, you know. All right. Just think about it. I'm not sure I will. But <laughs> I'm glad See, you He's not to. sure he will. Again, sure he's will. hedging something. On that one, I am hedging a little bit because I'm not positive I'm going to sit and think <laughs> okay. about it. <laughs> Robert Kraft uh, was not scheduled to speak uh, yesterday afternoon at the Patriots Team Hotel, but he had something to say anyway, and he stepped to the podium and uh, during the Belichick-Brady press conference came out with a strong defense of his coach, his quarterback, and his team, and he said, uh, if the Wells investigation is not able to definitively determine that our organization tampered with the air pressure on the footballs, I would expect and hope that the league would apologize to our entire team, and in particular Coach Belichick and Tom Brady, for what they've had to endure this past week. Notice the phrasing there. Yeah. If they don't prove. Like it, so, if they don't prove definitively. How are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah, I, I don't think you can. There's not going to be fingerprint. It, obviously, fingerprints are all over it. And they're, you know, you can't. How are you? Unless you have, unless you have some sort of... Uh, Surveillance tape on this. And we all know that uh, NFL is not good at watching surveillance tapes. No, they're We've not. learned that over the past uh, couple of years. Um, it, it, it's one of those things, though, when the NFL has talked about this recently, they have described uh, a looser, a lower standard of proof, I guess is the right way to say that. They have described, we need to stop doing what we've been doing, which is we only go after these uh uh, teams when we have definitive proof we need to loose it lower that standard of proof we need to get to a point oh. where if we're pretty sure we they get penalized because mm-hmm. so many times it's like lance armstrong people had, were very suspicious of it at the time uh, but they couldn't prove it so he kept continue he didn't they didn't have a test so they continually let him off uh and uh, you know they're they're saying like that's not the way we're going to look at this stuff anymore this is before this incident. Yeah. Um, so I would assume they're going to get a nice hefty fine. They're going to lose some draft picks. They're going to complain about it, but they're not going to have a choice. You think they'll lose uh, not a top round, top draft pick, right? Second, I, yeah, first I mean, or second to, round? To me, this is not as I serious think it, as Spygate. It rises to that level. It's, in Spygate, they lost a one, didn't they? I think they did, um, yeah. But this to me, it doesn't they rise did. to that level. Uh, to me, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a lesser. The only reason it's as big a deal as it is is because the Patriots are, are the ones involved in it. And yeah, because they've and they've done before. things like this before. So uh, we'll get into that. Um, actually, we'll get into... Uh, you just brought up Lance Armstrong. We've got some more on him because he made an interesting statement during an interview uh, recently. We'll talk about that coming up on Patents Two. I can't wait for that. Yeah, as a, a nationwide Canadian sports celebrity, it means a lot to you. It means a lot to me when we talk about these things honestly and openly. Now, were you taking roids in order to help you make that catch? Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's all void. 
I guess we just got an email, uh, Pat, that confirms we're doing our jobs. And every once in a while, you, you, you like that. We can't give you any details on it at all. <clears throat> Unfortunately. I'd love to. But we, oh, my we'd God. We'd love to. Maybe someday we will. This would absolutely destroy a relationship, but I would love to. Because <laughs> I don't care about it anymore. No, I don't, don't care. at all. Never, I never did, uh, yeah. really. But, um, uh, uh, you know, although a little bit I did. And, and, and I mean, I, fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating what happens mm-hmm. to people when they get to Washington. It's fascinating. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. It's Pat and Stu. Um, Lance Armstrong speaking again, and perhaps he shouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, talk talk to your friends, talk Mm -hmm. to your neighbors. But if there's a microphone and a camera around, you may not want to anymore. I don't know. First of all, what what a disappointment he was because I defended him vehemently for years. I mean, the... The steroid allegation was out there forever, and uh, the thought was always, and the line was always from him and his camp and and even others, officials in in, uh, U.S. cycling, that he'd never tested positive for steroids. So how do you condemn a guy who's never tested positive for steroids and take away his Tour de France titles? You know, and and I was really proud of him. He's a Texan. He was, he's an American. uh, Americans... Until, you know, fairly recently hadn't done very well in the Tour de France. Bike Bicycling isn't that great, that huge a sport in America. It's become bigger since <laughs> Lance Armstrong. That's a huge understatement. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, yeah. you know, we don't live and breathe it like the French do. I am. I will say I am blowing off the Super Bowl this year to go to a cycling event. <laughs> yeah. 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 That surprises me because mm-hmm. shows you the growth <laughs> it of does the, show you the cycling growth. Yeah. sport here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you can think of Greg LeMond and then, uh, Lance Armstrong and then, uh, uh, the guy after Lance, uh, what Floyd something or other. And he lost his, his title too. He won the tour de France and then it turned up, turned out he had taken steroids. And so they took his title and then they stripped Lance of all seven of his, but I defended him vehemently because he was so vehement about it. Yeah. I've never seen anybody that guilty that defiant about for it. that long and for there, that long there's a line too of when you start trying to ruin others lives that it doesn't seem possible the the human right like because he was got to be a bad person too. he was trashing people like as liars and ruining their lives um yeah uh, bashing people and and really destroying them and and when you get to that point it's like okay to do this not only do you have to be a good actor you have to be like seriously evil because you're like taking somebody's livelihood and flushing it down the toilet to defend your stupid lie. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and he started. He was doing that. So at the time, it seemed believable. Um, and uh, I totally bought in. You, yeah. You, uh, well, you. I was were, fooled for a long time. Yeah. And, and then. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't. I, I think I believed it as well. Uh, I, I, did I, didn't, you? I didn't know the story as well as you did, and you really. I mean, you knew the details of. of yeah, because I followed him because yeah. I was I was proud yeah. of an American doing so well. I wasn't into it as much as far as like just knowing the details of the case, but I I kind of felt the same way. Like if you didn't catch the guy, and I I, I still think that's a fair, it's a fair um, standard. I like I like the innocent till proven guilty and, thing. And I'm you a know, fan. I I do too. And the joke was always that uh, y- you know yes, Lance Armstrong was caught with a banned substance in France. Deodorant, because the French don't use it. So you know that was <laughs> that was always the defense. I like the expo- right. the explanation there because the French don't use so it because they don't because they don't they don't, they don't use it they don't utilize so it's banned because they stink. They're French. And they, don't, they don't take baths. Uh. Uh, 
So anyway, then he comes on Oprah. He makes the incredible uh, admission that he lied the whole time, that he did he did roids the whole time, and other things too. I mean, it wasn't just steroids; it was HGH, the human growth hormones, and it was the blood spinning and and the replacement of the blood so that you'd have more uh, uh, blood cells when you're going uphill, and you'd have more oxygen, and it would supply your muscles with extra you know weird i mean the things the the lengths he went to i'm not were amazing we talked about this at the time i'm not necessarily sure i agree that's cheating if you're taking your own yeah, blood if you take out your blood and you and then you inject it, it back yeah and you expose it to oxygen and then inject it i'm back kind in. of okay with that too really i, I don't know why I am. I, it just feels like it's not if you're oxygenating yeah. your own blood yeah and this that doesn't is, seem like a horrible thing now the hgh is obvious yep steroids are obvious yeah it's but a, it's such a weird line, though. When we talked about the this transfusions, I don't know. In the break, it's like we talk about you can't have performance enhancing drugs, and, and so steroids, HGH, these are obvious things that you're not mm. allowed to do. However, like you know, Tony Romo hurts his back, gets a shot in the back room, and is able to play. Is that a performance enhancing drug? Well, he couldn't even perform at all until he had the drug. Yeah. It seems to me that's a performance enhancing drug. Yeah, it's crossed my mind before too. It's it's weird but like we we allow I, I mean I I guess I understand the line like as long as it's for pain I guess but, it's okay. And it's funny because that's what the guys that take steroids constantly say. I uh, you get banged up as you get older, you can't recover from these injuries. This helps me so you, heal it helps faster. Me heal faster. You hear it every time. I mean, and from Andy Pettit, we bought it. We were fine with it and he was totally forgiven. Oh, okay. He just used it to to get better quickly mm-hmm. and to heal his injury. So he's okay, but Roger Clemens isn't. So we draw a weird line. And if you admit it right away and you say you're sorry and and you move on, I guess that's better We're too. We're usually okay with it. Yeah. But for Lance Armstrong to deny it, to destroy lives, to trash people all along the way, and then finally come out and say, "Yeah, I was lying all along. I did the whole. I did. I was as guilty as they said I was." And yeah, I, I shouldn't have uh, trashed those people, but I did. Jeez, that's amazing. Do you ever well, get sued over that stuff? By the way, I I don't think you really did. I don't did know. Yeah, I know he lost virtually every sponsor he had. Mm-hmm. I, I so you know tens of millions of dollars. I'm sure I, maybe hundreds of millions. I don't know. The guy was doing really well and then everybody pulled out so he says it's been tough but here's uh his latest on you know some interesting follow-ups to what he's been going through and first of all i can't believe it's been two years already can you believe it's been two years since the oprah interview wow that blows me away here's the interview when it comes to the doping would you do it again you know if i was racing in 2015 no, I wouldn't do it again, because I don't think you have to do it again. If you take me back to 1995, when it was completely and totally pervasive, I'd probably do it again. People don't like to hear that. But that's the honest answer. Yeah, that's the honest <laughs> no, answer. We don't. But, but it, no, but we it, don't. We don't like to hear that. It's, it's an answer that needs some explanation. And, and, and it's, I mean, I look at everything, you know, when I made that decision, when my teammates made that decision, when the whole Peloton made that decision, like, let's, we, we get it. It was, it was, an, it was a, a bad decision in an imperfect time, but it happened. I don't really care what anybody else wants. I'll tell you what I would want to do is I would want to change the man that did those things. 
not, maybe not the decision, but the way he acted. The way he treated other people, the way he, oh he just God. couldn't. <laughs> God, he is amazing. He just couldn't stop fighting. Uh, <clears throat> is his middle name, I think his middle name might be Beelzebub. It might be Lance Beelzebub mm-hmm. Armstrong. Mm-hmm. He's not a good guy. Listen to that. Okay, so if it's 2015, I guess now that they've cracked down on performance-enhancing drugs in cycling, in 2015 he wouldn't use them, but back in 1995 he would because everybody did. That seems to be the excuse, right? And he would change, he would not change the decision he made to use the drugs, but the way he handled it afterwards. Like maybe he wouldn't trash the people and ruin lives on, of the people who said, hey, by the way, he's, he's juicing. Wow. I mean, because there's a lot there to try to give him the benefit of the doubt. When you first see the, the headline, it's like he's basically saying everyone was doing it. So yeah. if I if I didn't do it, I would be at a competitive disadvantage. And now right. in 2015, I would not be at a competitive disadvantage. Therefore, I would not do it. And there's some under like it, there's some. Thing understandable there, like I, there is. I, I, you certainly understand the concept. But when you've been caught, what you're looking for is someone to 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 be, you know, to be sorry. And he does not seem sorry about it at all. He doesn't. And he said, it, you know, his life has been tough over the last two years. He's gone through a big trial, and you know, uh, I, I'd like to know exactly what's happened. I, I uh, I'd like to know the financial implications of this, and if. If the lawsuits have come that we expected to, because there was a lot of people that he wrecked along the way that should have sued him since. And I wonder if that happened. Hmm. I, we, we should follow up on this because it's a pretty interesting story. And he's an interesting, if evil, guy. Uh, and it's really sad uh, because he was almost considered superhuman and unbeatable in cycling. Um and to win seven straight Tour de France's is an impressive feat that nobody else in the history of the world has ever accomplished. Now all of that's gone. All of that's tainted. And do you remember this? Shortly before shortly before he came out and admit, admitted, yeah, I took steroids and NHGH, he did that thing in his basement where he had all of the Tour de France uh, jerseys. You remember this? The championship jerseys? And he took that picture... After they stripped him of the titles, and he went down in his basement where he has all the jerseys hanging on the wall, and he's like, yeah, I'm just hanging out here. I just heard the news. I'm just hanging out here with my wall fixtures or whatever it was he said. I forget how he put it, but it was like, yeah, I still have the jerseys. You can't take those from me. And he was so he was defiant, and he was nasty about it, and he was arrogant about it still. Mm Mm-hmm. Not a not not a good guy. Triple eight seven two seven back. More patents too coming up. Right, wait, when you say not a good guy, that's yeah. pretty pretty. That's hard. pretty strong. Yeah, pretty and, strong. And it was only a couple weeks before too. I mean, yeah, it was maybe a couple of months. And it was not long after that he was completely reversing himself. Amazing, pathetic. Stu, 
Welcome to it. 888 Beck, use that number some other time because it's probably not going to work so well for you right now. Uh, we're in New York for Snowpocalypse, the Snowmageddon, which dumped a full five inches on the New York metropolitan area. Up to five inches. Oh, well, up to five inches. Thank you. Not fully five. No, I mean, so in some places like three. Mm-hmm. In other places like Central Park, it was all the way up to five inches. Now, who can survive that kind of tragedy? Well, we couldn't. So they had to stop all traffic on streets, shut down the subways, stop the trains, don't do the bus. Only uh, snowplows were out on the streets today. They considered no pedestrian traffic. And then they considered taking uh, all people and locking them into their house with uh, boarding up all doors so you couldn't come out and windows. And tonight, if it snows another inch or two, they may do that. Yeah, we we're kind of of the attitude, you know, call us crazy, call us, you know, maybe maybe we're going a little too far, mm-hmm. but we think we should murder all the people here, um, because then they won't have to feel the pain of the three inches of snow, um, and then what well, part of that is going too far? All people, you, you know, rather than just like well, eighty percent of them. Is that what you're saying? I think there's a line uh, where it gets to the point where you want to have, in theory, uh-huh. enough people to repopulate the species. In theory, yeah. Um, so yeah. you want to leave at least two people. Okay. Um, so when people say you want to kill everybody, that's too many. That's <laughs> yeah, too many. Too many. Um, you know, but only by two. Because uh, because of global warming, it'll either stop snowing completely or snow a lot more. We're not sure which, well, but the, one of the two. The only way to save or them. snow about the same. Right. The only way to save the planet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, from global warming, get rid of all no people. people. No people. So uh, that's obviously. Of course, if there is no people, does it matter if it's global warming or not? I don't really care at that point. Do you? I mean, How if... dare we have an I Earth know. to worry about? I know. What is your? What's your? The Earth seems to be like a vessel for people. Yeah. To me, but I. Wow. Maybe I'm Did wrong. Did you hear that? <laughs> I consider it a mother. The earth is a standing place for a person. <laughs> Something we can stand really on. really all it is, isn't it? That's it. It's just That's a what freaking it is. place for us to stand. I mean, I love it. It's my home. It's great. But it's a place to stand while we live here. This goes back to uh, the uh, an interview we did on Wonderful World of Stuart a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a guy named Alex Epstein wrote a book called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. Mm-hmm. And, and one of his main points was there are, there are two ways to look at what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. One, you can look at what is the be- the thing you can do that will maximize human life and fulfillment of you know of what we look at as a wonderful human life. Extend life, uh, you know, pursue the things that you want to do. Is your target th- your target to fulfill human life, or is it to lessen the impact on the earth? And that is really the split between uh, hardcore environmentalists and everybody else. Which is, we look at this earth, like, we do we want the earth to keep the, you know, if you implement all the things and you take everything that Al Gore says as gospel, do we want the earth to die? Do we want the temperatures to go up uh, an incredible amount that we can't survive? Of course not. We're here. We look at that as a negative only because it would affect human beings. That's why we look at it as a negative. Yeah. We don't look at it as a negative because the earth will cry and if you if you look at if you come at these policies, I mean, I don't want the earth to cry, <laughs> but I just don't think it will. Right, I don't think it will either. You know, and, and if you so. come at all these policies with with the 
end goal of lessening impact on Earth, well, of course you're going to make terrible decisions. Uh, of course you're going to try to limit the uh, advancement of technology and fuel for the third world because mm-hmm. you don't give a crap about the people there. You care about lessening the impact on the Earth. Yeah. And how anyone can make that decision, especially a human being, is beyond me. But that is the way that a lot of people look at it. Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And, and by the way, I reject the term fossil fuel. I don't believe they are. You've, now, you've been making this case over the years. <laughs> I have. Uh, every once in a while. I'll throw it out there it, for consumption. It seems as if you get more and more certain of it, but you don't It's necessarily... a naturally occurring goo that just <laughs> renews itself. You don't present additional information to support goo. it. That's what it is. It's earth goo. What, what is your evidence that makes you more... Because it used to be like, I wonder if, and now it's I'm sure that. <laughs> what is What has made the split? I, well, there? one thing that... Uh, that makes me pretty certain of, I don't, that, you know, how many fossils are there? Not Obviously, a lot of it's not just dinosaurs, right? Right. It's plant life and other things mm. that fossilize and over time supposedly create the, the, the wonderful fossil fuels. Yeah. That we the petroleum today. that we extract from the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that enough life has lived on this planet to continue what we pull out of it all of this time. Plus, I keep hearing over and over. We've heard this since 1920. Peak oil. Peak we're oil. there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Peak oil is here. We're, we're peaking now. You can't get any more oil after this. After this After this find, it's all gone. It's all gone. We got like four years left of oil. And then a hundred years later, <laughs> right. here we are with more oil than we know what to do with. Yeah. And and we just keep finding more and more and yeah. more. And it was supposed to run out in 1920, in 1930, 1950, 1960s, the 1970s. Certainly the 80s, everybody was talking about peak oil. The 90s were, you know, and then the global warming stuff with, with the fossil fuels because it hadn't run out. So now they have to try another another tact to get us to stop using fossil fuels and that's the global warming thing, because we're all going to die because of the, the emissions. Well, stop it. Stop it. So, I don't know. I've just I've just kind of decided that it's a naturally occurring goo yeah, look, that is formed in the Earth. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting... I think it's really possible. It's an interesting theory, because, A, as you say, uh, the peak oil thing, they've been wrong on it every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've said that we're going to run out of oil every time. You know, I don't know... I don't know you don't know how the science behind it necessarily, it, but it does have that odd. Does it, I will say that looking at it from if just throw out what you know about fossil fuels and and how they're, it does seem bizarre that it would be a bunch of fossils in the earth, doesn't that it? Are providing the it doesn't seem like a it would a, seem a like that would for sure run out right now and would have run out by now. Now look, I have not. Uh, this is not one of the things I've looked into uh, to that level. I, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I, I've, I've done extensive research. Right, I've looked yeah, exactly. into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I should do some extensive, and I think I've threatened this before. I'm going to do extensive research. You're like me with a Bobby Jindal speech. Every time, <laughs> yeah. every time you make fun of the Bobby Jindal speech, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch that, and then I never do. <laughs> You're, you say this the same thing about this uh-huh. theory, but like oh, one of these days we should one do of these both days. of those and just have we'll a big reveal show. Okay. Um, I will say this though: uh, Saudi Arabia, um, uh, which has been, you'd say the main cause of this recent oil price drop yeah um they came out and they basically said we're not gonna screw you guys we're not gonna we're gonna keep pumping oil we're not gonna keep the price up which is hurting um companies in america that do fracking because uh, the cost of extracting the oil is higher um and so people have wondered well now there's a new king there 
Uh, how are they going to react to this? Are they going to go back to the old school? No, it does not seem that way. Saudi Arabia's state-run oil company uh, pumped $7 billion into a fund to explore fracking themselves. They're getting into the fracking business. Well, wow. It's more than double what they had originally planned to spend on fracking. Um, and now they're going to look into shale oil reserves themselves, uh, which, look, as much as uh, we talk about, you know, we don't want jobs to go away in the energy industry, this is still a good thing for America. Overall, it's a good thing for America, and it's a success of capitalism. It really is. Unleashing um, uh, fracking on, on, on the world has resulted in almost exclusively positive benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know you will see in Texas uh, and North Dakota some pushback, and it, it may hurt the industries there. There are already oil uh, companies that are having really difficult times and may go under if prices stay this low. But it, it's – you know. It's okay. it's unfortunately part of it, you know. Um, I, I you know if they, a lot of these companies made big bets that oil prices would stay at a hundred dollars a barrel, and they're just not there. And uh, you know, mar- this is what markets do. They take away some of the weak uh, companies, and over time, I think the the company the the prices will bounce back, and and we'll see a little bit of an equilibrium struck. But right now, um, it's going the other way. And if they continue, if if Saudi Arabia is now fracking too, uh, and they have to do something, they got to do because something because yeah. we're passing them up. Yeah. Um, we're passing them and the Russians for the largest oil-producing nation on Earth because we have more oil than than they do. And it always used to be, well, <clears throat> we're the we're we're the Saudi Arabia of coal. Remember that yeah. they always used to say the United States is the Saudi Arabia of coal. Well, the United States is the Saudi Arabia of oil mm-hmm. and coal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the kind of resources we have here. Imagine so. if we actually. Uh, extracted our coal, it as much as we could. Our coal, coal reserves. And oil. And tap into all the places where they won't let us tap into. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the president is still in the middle of, of marking off federal lands, as we discussed yeah. earlier today, to to avoid another 12 million more acres. Fracking, more yeah. uh, more exploration. Uh, you know, uh, crazy. That's in, in that world. Here's a, we have a president who has opposed these policies at every turn. Mm-hmm. He has said no to fracking, no to the pipelines, no to all of these things. And just because the free market has been unleashed, he, it's been able to overcome that. Mm-hmm. He has not been able to stop it. And that's, uh, you know, a real, a real positive for the country, certainly. Definitely. Um, now, according to 538, how many guns has the TSA confiscated at local airports in the past year? So in 2014. Uh, how many would you say they probably took control of at airports? First of all, I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd ever fly with a gun. It's just too much of a hassle. Yeah. Well, both it's just nobody yeah. knows the rules, the laws. Both Dana and Glenn, Dana Lash and Glenn Beck, have had uh, run-ins uh, at, at the TSA or at the airports. Dana trying to bring home a pen that was built made out of a bullet casing had a huge problem there. A pen. A pen. Glenn had an actual gun, which was properly because you have to. I think you have to ship the ammunition and uh, the gun in separate cases and separate suitcases or something. There's some rule like that yes, that you have to do. But they made him break it all he down. Did that? They made him break it down further, and then they sent it mistakenly to Canada, a place where almost all of it is completely Ill- illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, Glenn wasn't with it, or he probably would have been arrested by Canadian authorities. Now, luckily, he knows a Canadian sports national celebrity, so he probably would have been able to get out of that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was a pretty big deal. Yep. Um, I, I am with you, Pat. I am so intimidated by those laws that I won't do anything with my gun. My guns, you know, it's it's there for, to protect me. 
um, you know, when I need it. But I, I, I'm not taking it. I anywhere. don't like. I don't like putting it in my car to bring it to the range. Yeah, even I in don't Texas. Yeah. And I certainly didn't like doing it when I lived in Pennsylvania because I, I lived one block away from the Jersey border. You cross it. If I take a wrong freaking turn, I could be in jail for years. And it's happened to people. They have actually gone to prison because they took a wrong turn over a stupid bridge. Uh, it's that's how ridiculous the rules are. Um, so I'm with you. I'm, I don't want anything to do with it. But I guess apparently a lot, of pe- a lot of people do fly with guns. Yeah, and it's kind of surprising because the number one city for confiscation of guns by the TSA, Dallas, Texas. Yeah. All right. Thank Get you. It. We're number one. Uh, they've they've confiscated in just 2014. By the way, there were 2,212 guns at airport security lines in uh, 2014. Majority unloaded, but confiscated at Dallas, uh, DFW. 14 unloaded, 106 loaded for a, a total of 120 guns just at that airport. Majority loaded, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by far. Overwhelming majority were loaded, which is kind of interesting because you yeah. think if you, if you, I guess that's like, okay, I've got a gun that that's with me and I carry it all the time and I didn't think of it, I guess. I mean, it's not like these people are all going to shoot people at the airport, obviously. Um, and I, I think if you are a pretty careful person, you're unloading the gun, you are packing it away in a certain way you're cognizant of those rules i'm surprised to see that many that were actually loaded i kind of am too uh but that's the majority of those confiscated are loaded uh atlanta is number two followed by phoenix and then houston so two of the top four are in texas then denver uh houston hobby so two both houston airports are in the top 10 tampa bay uh fort lauderdale nashville and orlando as you see there on the screen that's that's pretty amazing. Um, again, uh, it's probably best just to not bring them. I'd rather have mine not confiscated. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they do. They give them back eventually, or do, are you have you just lost your gun? You should look into that as well. Triple eight seven two seven Beck eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. More patents to come up. That's an uncomfortable situation. <clears throat> it is Pat and Stu, triple eight seven two seven Beck. This is kind of interesting. Uh, just to finish this off today, um, we have a list of what every European country is the worst at. <laughs> uh, sometimes they do things um, the least amount of times or the most, but it's usually these are negative connotations. Um, 28 member comp- countries in the EU, and uh, every single com- country has some sort of issue, it seems. For instance, the lowest birth rate of anybody in the EU comes from Portugal. The highest dropout rate is in Spain, as you see there. The lowest English proficiency is in France. And that's probably why they get so snotty and nasty when you don't speak French, because they don't tend to speak English as much. Which is interesting, because in Finland, almost everybody speaks English. Almost everybody, according to my son, who served for two years there. Um, 
in uh, Great Britain, most cocaine use. Is that a problem? Not at all. Sorry, just filling in for Jeffy. He's out today. <laughs> uh, the highest rate, this is a weird stat, highest rate of cystic fibrosis is in Ireland. Mm. So You don't want that? No, you don't want that. That's, what about, what that's about, not a good title. What about most slavery? That's not, that's not a stat. That? Right in the middle there. Uh, most slavery. Yeah. Oh, okay. What is that? Uh, is that um, Czechoslovakia? Czech? No, I was going to go Republic. Czech Republic or maybe Slovenia. I don't, I don't know my European maps apparently that well. Uh, let's see. It's right below Poland. I'm going to say that is the Czech, uh, Czech and Slovakia, perhaps. Let's say it's Czechoslovakia. That's not a... We'll make it the old country <laughs> of Czechoslovakia. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at it here real quick. Uh uh, let's see. Most of that, so that one there, okay, that's Austria. So it's next to, uh, it's above Austria. So we're into that one there. Okay. Which is uh, Czech Republic. <laughs> and so we're, we were right. Yes. It, 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 so there you the go. Messiest, uh, correct answer in, in, in United States history. Also, the most, most youth smokers looks like Hungary. Uh, most tax fraud happens in Italy. Uh, the least cinemas per capita. It's not a huge problem. Uh, it doesn't seem country. to. That's a first world problem, right? Yeah, all right. Least cinemas. What is that? Uh, do you know which one that is? Uh, you're probably getting into like. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking uh, here. Turkey at, uh, is that's not Turkey. That's least cinemas. I want to go with maybe. Uh, who's got a guess go with, as to uh, what that is? Oh, yeah, Ukraine. Yeah, Could well, that be Ukraine? It could be Ukraine. Might be. No. Um. Then there's the least doctors per capita in Poland. I recognize that place. Highest suicide rate. That might be, I don't know what, Lithuania, one of those Anias. <laughs> one of the Anias has the highest suicide rate. Highest prison population just above that in Latvia. Biggest gender pay gap, Estonia. But come on. I mean, their gender pay gap can't be like ours. Um, you know, we don't, we don't like our women here, so we, we don't pay them anything. I, I am, uh, skeptical to believe that R Romania or Bulgaria's biggest problems are, well, I mean, Romania, I think is the one with his least, least cinemas. Really? That's the worst thing about Romania. We also don't know about, uh, the least Erasmus participation. Uh, Erasmus? We, we didn't know what Erasmus was. Do we know it now? Uh, we do know I now. I don't know what Erasmus is. I would describe it as European Common Core. It's a program uh, where you have to hit all these standards of oh, education. Really? Yeah, it looks like you're well, good for them. Good for them. I like Erasmus. Whatever, whatever country that is, I'm in. Way to go, whatever country you are.